Ray, I think a lot of times we eliminate faith from the equation of our walks with the Lord. But like Hebrew says, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I wouldn't think that faith would be associated with some of the things that Abraham did here. He dwelt in the land by faith. Hmm. You know, like what, what's the significance of that? One of my favorite scriptures, I got millions of them, Romans 4.20, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform. People don't realize that faith actually brings glory to God. And the, the analogy I like to use, use is if I have faith in my wife, that gives glory to her integrity. Explain. I trust my wife with all my heart. She'd never, ever be unfaithful. My faith in her explodes her integrity in the eyes of other people. If I say that, mm. wow, she must be wonderful. So when we have faith in God, we give glory to God. We bring glory to his name through our faith in his integrity. And if you have unbelief, you stagger at God's promises. Mm. You, you're like uh, Doubting Castle. You step straight into Doubting Castle. So as Christians, and as, as a husband, I, I would never have unbelief or doubt when it comes to my, wife, my wife's integrity because that would be an immediate insult to her integrity. Mm. I don't trust my wife. Uh-huh. You know, that would be, and, and that's exactly what scriptures say. That's so we don't good. have unbelief when it comes to God's uh, promises. Dum da 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 dum 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 da da dum 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 da dum. Welcome to the all new Name That Dude game show, where you get the opportunity to name that dude. Hey, I love the way you became a dum 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 dum. Was it prophetic for what's about to come? It's dumb. Yes, friends, name that dude. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah. I love that croc. He's a great fella. Nah, he won't hurt you, mate, yeah. Ben Price. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. That was very good, easy. Who was that? Right? The, cro- the crocodile, uh, the crocodile hunter. Dundee, Irwin. That's no. right. Yes. Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yes. Steve Urkel. Let me just say this. Uh, Steve Irwin honestly was one of my favorite people on the planet. I was heartbroken when I yes. heard how he tragically we, died. We weren't surprised, though, were we? Well, I mean, yeah, it's actually surprising it didn't happen sooner with yeah. all that he did with animals and crocodiles. I mean, but I have to say that of all the people on earth that I see a, a very close correlation between it would be Steve Irwin and Ray Comfort. No. No, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's not the silly accent. It's it's the genuine passion that this guy had. I mean, honestly, to me, Steve Irwin was the Ray Comfort of the animal kingdom. I was about to say, instead of crocodiles, it's homeless people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But Ray, seriously, that guy was so... I mean, again, what I loved about him was you sensed an authenticity. Like this guy really, he he really cared about these animals. You know, he was really, his whole heart, mind, soul was into what he was doing. And, uh, but is that... Was he vegetarian? I, you know, that's a good question. I, he didn't look <laughs> like a vegetarian. <laughs> no, he wasn't overweight, but I mean, he seemed really healthy. Not very many vegetarians. Oh, no, I'm going to get trouble with that. <laughs> Here we go. And you we just vegetarian. Him, and we you just, just opened your 12. mouth and put a cabbage oh, into boy. it. In we just trouble. lost our 12 vegetarians. We listeners. love vegetarians. <laughs> Do we, though? Just can't eat, just can't no. eat a whole one. <laughs> no. Oh, <I> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Mark. What were you going to say, Mark? 
Nope. I'm just looking up to see if Steve Irwin was a vegetarian. No, I don't. I doubt, I doubt it. it. He did love animals. Oh, yeah. But like, his son now. Are there Australian vegetarians? That's actually the way you answer that. Uh, Austra- uh, I'm an Australian vegetarian. He's not. He's not a vegetarian. He was not. He was not. A vegetarian. Yeah. Oh. But the passion that guy had mm. was just, it was contagious. And his son now is carrying on his legacy. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen interviews. He seems like he's really into it, which is really cool. Yeah, I think his daughter too, Bendy. Uh, Bendy, yeah, she's involved in animal stuff. rescue with her with her mom. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, Ray, it, it was he kind of though the way he talked was that sort of a caricature of Australians? Yeah, he was he was over the edge a little bit, but that's yeah. what made him famous. I mean, I just sit there in awe and watch him. His facial expressions and the way he spoke was just very fascinating yeah and uh but australians do talk a little less cultured than new Zealanders. <laughs> less cultured yeah I did, did we're just offending everybody today aren't we yeah <laughs> australians talk more more like this swimming pool swimming pool six swimming of a swim pool. for a if swim you're an australian vegetarian uh, and you're listening to this episode go ahead and email us at living water at podcast at livingwaters.com and let us know how offensive uh, these two guys are yeah. towards you we need to read some uh some nasty emails no, on the program <laughs> thank you but no, I mean, to me, that kind of heart, you know, in, in investing in something like that. And look, that's a worthy cause he cares about animals. It's great. We should care for God's creatures and creation. But man, to carry that kind of enthusiasm over right. to the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it is something that uh, is very, very needful. And it should be normal. Amen. Normal, biblical, Christian. Where did you come up with that, Ray? That it was in the brain. NBC. I, found it, in your brain? I found it over the left side of the back. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. You guys ever eaten yellow apples? I just remembered. I ate a yellow apple. They are really nice. I fell in love with it. They are really, really nice. It's just, so weird. I, Rachel just got them the other day. There's no acidy. They're not yeah. even slightly acidy. They're really good. I saw Rachel got them the other day, and I, it's like out of mind, out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. I just, you know, you always think an apple. I hate green apples. Oh, yes. I like but them with the caramel, but caramel, caramel? Oh, what caramel, whatever. Yeah, anyway, um, we just noticed how they're made for the human hand. <laughs> I get myself in warning, trouble. do not eat yellow <laughs> apples. They are extremely poisonous. Oh, no. <laughs> Enjoy them. Enjoy them. <laughs> See ya. Uh, but anyway, they were good. Right. Yeah. So did you start with the banana and transition to the apple? Always. To- I did it. F- all the time. Mark, you used to come when I used oh, to I teach this thing. And just, oh, uh, I don't, but when I heard now, it, right? I didn't hear you talk about yeah, the apple. So for yeah, those yeah, who don't yeah, know. Do the whole banana thing. And I say, and, uh, note the apple. I'd hop on an apple. So there are 10,000 different varieties of apples, all the same shape, slightly different size. Thumb is made, or this side is made for the thumb. There's a stalk there, movable, so it doesn't go up the thumbnail. You've got the other side, it's got a little pad. So when the apple turns, it doesn't wear your finger out. <laughs> With the apple, you can eat the wrapper. When you get the core of the substance, you find these little seeds you put in the ground, you get more apples. And one of these a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> and I had a ball with that. With the, it, oh, it, all of creation, cool. you can play around with it. You know, like you've got the watermelon, which is a drink oh, yeah. in, a, in a container that stays cool in hot weather. It's just amazing what God's given us. How does the banana one go? Not, not too. <laughs> not too. And then you transition to the Coke can, right? Yeah, from straight there. to the Coke can from there. Yeah, Sometimes a Pepsi can if I couldn't find a Coke can. No. Yeah, so that's good. that. That is good. It got you into into trouble, big trouble, big trouble. And <laughs> oh, then you can it watch the redeemed. Fool. You can watch the fool on YouTube, and I'm the fool, and it's the whole story. Yeah, check it out, friends. All right, we have a comment from Eyes Tackins. 
<laughs> That's what it says. Refreshing podcast. I had subscribed to this podcast a long, long time ago and never listened to it. However, a few weeks ago, <laughs> I decided to listen to it, and I haven't stopped since. Oh, this cool. podcast is amazing. The guys are not only hilarious, but provide wisdom on the subjects that we encounter at uh, one point in life. If it's refreshing to be able to listen to men that are serious about God and are bold enough to radically speak truth. It's a blessing to get spiritually punched. <laughs> that was a good way to Let me tell you something. It's very personal. Yeah. Um, that word refreshing means a lot to me. And I, I've always said to the Lord, when I hear that word, when it comes to my ministry, I'll be so encouraged because refreshing is what I want it to be. And to hear him use the word refreshing, because times of refreshing com- shall come from the Holy Spirit. You know, that Bible Acts verse. Four, yeah. Acts 4, yeah. <laughs> and chapter and Acts. But yeah, so that's what we want. We want people to be refreshed by what we share. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm really refreshed by the fact that you feel like the word refreshing is refreshing. So oh, thank nice. you for letting me I'm know about that. that refreshing. I'm refreshed that Ray's refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank you, friend. I wish I could say your name, but thank you for writing in. It's it, called it means refresh. a lot to us. It means what? Refreshed. Just Refresh. call me well, Mr. Refreshed. Yeah, thank you. And uh, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, please start listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. Ray, I love that book. Yeah. And the fact that it's, it's in remember, one of those. remember? You wrote it. Yes, yeah, I did. Clear. I remember, you remember, right. I remember why I wrote it. And, What's yeah. the last chapter about? It's all about <laughs> it's the gospel, and it's a challenge to Christians to share their faith. Yeah. Good one, Ray. Great uh, detailed I, summary. Well, actually, I faked it. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I have no Ray. idea. <laughs> Sounds about, about God, right. uh, Jesus, the Bible, the Bible, and that. Yes. Yeah. But I love the cover on that one. It's a really, it's just one of those books you don't kind of toss on a pile. I love the appendix and like. The spine, yeah, the spine. I love the uh, the uh, bookmarker in there. The one of the tassels, the font, the size of the font, <laughs> the size of the font. Anyway, friends, it's a great gift to give to unbelievers. Don't hesitate because even though that might sound like something intimidating to give out, because of what it says, the fear it's of not, death is common. Yeah, it's not. I, and we've got a track that's very popular called "How to Be Free from the Fear of Death." Also. Yeah. And there was a comment there. I've always hesitated to give it out, but I've, I've never, ever found someone reject it. I say, here's a little booklet, How to Be Free yeah. from the Fear of Death. And well, if take they it. reject it, I've seen you force people on the videos. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Izzy, do you really read every single word in a book, like including the the all the information about publishing front to cover? No, do you really wouldn't. do every single book? No. Some of them twice. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I heard that as a line that someone gave. Someone asks you, "Do you have you read every book in your library? And you just say some of them twice, because that's true, right? <laughs> For some. You know, I, I, I do do that. You um, do? Do you do? I have to, to say I read the book with integrity. You do I read not. the ISBN number. You know this? You do <laughs> you read every single <laughs> word. Now, come on. You can I'll, go, I mean, I'll run my eyes over it real quick if I need to. But You, know. is, you could go on Oprah and just talk. <laughs> they would have you on and just question you about That's unbelievable. They would question my sanity. You need yeah. to be studied. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> what is it with the crazy Arab? Do you find yourself getting tense if you don't? Yeah, it's just I, I've done it for years. Well, that's how I, when I read your book, Back in the day, Springboards for Powerful Preaching or Effective Evangelism. Just how I learned about you, a friend gave it to me, and I remember reading, edited by Rachel Comfort. And uh, See you, if he do, never do, would have done that. I never would have done I, that. I, I got to confess, when I want to read the Bible, I'm going to read the whole Bible, I have to go through the genealogies. Oh, yeah, I do too. People Just, that say they skip those, I'm like, yeah, you haven't no, read the Bible. No, you can't. You haven't <laughs> read the whole Bible. You've got to go through the yeah, genealogies. Look, at least I'm not like my son, Danny. 
who unfortunately has this gift of memorizing numbers he doesn't even want to memorize. <laughs> like he really? will, he was telling me the other day, he memorized a, a friend of his, a social security number. He just looked at it once. His friend called him on a couple occasions to ask for his own social security. No, no he did. Totally. Seriously? Yeah, he just has, he, he memorizes license plates. He'll just look at it and it's just in his head and he'll remember it. You know? well, I, I don't do that. So. I've got a confession to make. I count all the time. If I go upstairs, I count the stairs. Go down the really? stairs. Uh, it drives me crazy. I don't want to count the have? stairs. I can't remember. Even when I drink water, I'm drinking, I'm counting in my brain. I don't want to do it. How many gulps sometimes? Oh, it's crazy. nuts. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm I glad love I love the book have... of numbers. I'm always <laughs> counting until you stop talking. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad I don't have Danny's gift because I would memorize every ISBN number on every book and be tormented by him. All right, friends. How can he use that? Can he use that in any way? Well, he wants to be an uh, accountant. So he's going to go oh, into accounting and finance. That's, like, yeah, re- that's really that's, good. That's what you need. So anyhow, uh, anyhow, how to be free from the fear of death and the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com. All right, friends, today we're talking about lessons from the life of Abraham. Father Abraham. No, please don't. That's my son. That's just horrible. Well, Ray, Father which would you prefer, that one or It's a Small World getting stuck It's a Small head. World. How does that go? You prefer that over Father yeah, Abraham? Yeah, Father Abraham, because the actions that come with that, it should stay in the Sunday school among kids, not in adults who are doing the actions. And let's and just praise the, the Lord. Lord. Right. Mark, remember being in India? Right. And singing that driver song. Abraham. We had a driver named Abraham. And you sang it to four him? hours. <sighs> Poor guy. He drove us four hours from the airport to where we went to India. And then my luggage didn't show up. So the next day he drove me four hours back to the airport to get it and then four hours back to and the Is place. that because you are the only one that checked in luggage? <laughs> Probably. I had to take my commentary sets. Please. My, my sheets, commentary my sets. My sheets. Please. My silverware. You've made me <laughs> so drip and sweat when you talk about driving in India. Oh, Ray. Oh, Absolutely man. Horrible. We got to resurrect that video. I got to find it. Is we got to put it on. You should have seen Ray driving on the streets of India. You drove? I did no, not no, drive. no. I mean, oh. being driven. Oh, in, oh, that man. was in the back seat. You didn't dare look out the front window because the guy was a maniac. Yeah. Everyone's a maniac. Ray wanted you to die. Been to India? I've never been to India. Oh, no. It's uh, on the wrong side of the road honking. <laughs> I'm not kidding. All good, right. Good food. Yeah, great food. So great. Father Abraham, as we had said before, we're going to do some character studies and uh, see what we can learn. Lessons from the life of Abraham. And as I said on the last podcast, Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning mm. that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, this podcast is meant to give you hope, friends, through what was written in the Old Testament scriptures, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's principally uh, what we find in scripture. This is reg- regarding the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, but it applies. So, Father Abraham. What's up with Father Abraham, Ray? Abraham, what do you think of when you think of Abraham? He had many sons. <laughs> many sons. <laughs> Father Abraham. <laughs> the height's got many sons. Yeah, um, Abraham, faithfulness. Mm. You know, he said so many godly virtues. Going north, not knowing where he was going, just trusting God. Uh, offering Isaac. I was, um, mm. regarding Abraham offer, uh, offering up Isaac, I was at Sarita's College and interviewed a skeptic, very intelligent guy, had a sword fight for about 25 minutes. I remember his clear eyes, clear thinker, and he was very skeptical. I saw him about a month afterwards after the interview, and he said, that video's doing well. And we had a little banter, and he mocked Abraham and Isaac's, uh, the, that, that incident. Oh, really? And I said to him, 
Did you know that's a type of Christ, God giving his only begotten son on the cross? Mm. And it just stopped. I'll never forget the look on his face. He just went, really? Because if you you get a grip of the typologies, Mm -hmm. the shadows, the Old Testament, Mm. you know, Jonah and the big fish, Jesus being swallowed by death, uh, Joshua and the walls of Jericho, you know, the shout of God and the dead rising all through the Old Testament. All these are wonderful types of Jesus in the New Testament. And it really, I could see his brain just working. I could be wrong about all this. Mm. There's actually a really good book that came out last year called Typologies. And it's by, it's either Josh or John Hamilton. So if anybody wants to Google it and look, he basically, he's a systematic professor and he goes through the Old Testament and finds all the typologies and points them to Christ. It's a really good book. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the significance of, of Abraham is is massive, and that's why you see him referenced often in the pages of the New Testament. I mean, he he would be the father of the chosen people of God, right? I mean, Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has the 12 sons, Jacob being Israel, of course, as, as God changed his name, the nation of Israel, from them the 12 sons, through which is Judah, through which is Christ, who is the seed of Abraham, as Galatians tells us. Mm. And so the, the, the Abrahamic covenant that we find in, in Genesis is just hugely... Uh, the, the ramifications of Abraham's life are connected to the ripple effects that have led to our salvation today. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would say you cannot properly understand the New Testament without properly understanding the Abrahamic covenant yeah. and how it how people who the New Testament was written to understood themselves in light of the Abrahamic covenant. Just as an example, when Jesus offers the Jewish people freedom, they respond to him by saying, how can you say that we could be free? We are sons and daughters of Abraham. We are already free. They saw themselves as a part of the Abrahamic covenant, but what they did not realize is that Jesus was there to fulfill that covenant, that true freedom no longer came through the covenant of Abraham, but the covenant that Christ was going to make with them. And so the point that I'm making there is that everything in the New Testament points back to these covenants in the old. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we see Abraham coming on the scene and, you know, I'm... Blown away by how time and again God would choose to work through these older men, you know. I mean, we we talked about Noah, right? And Does that make you feel better, easy. Yeah, very much good. <laughs> but we talked about Noah, and you know, at that time, of course, men were living supernaturally long, right? You getting a call on your iPad? Yeah, I turn my, turn my phone off. The Alexander. guy who always says Alexander phones off. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one that says Alexander phones off. Uh, but it came through my iPad when my phone was turned off. I don't understand how this works. Yeah. Anyways, friends. Yeah, so Abraham, uh, we see him pop on the scene as an older man. He was already 75 pop years old. Pop on the scene. Yeah, he was yeah. pop walking. Pop, 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 pop on the scene, lean and mean. Yeah. Uh, pop so, on the scene, dude. Pop on the scene, bro. Yo, what's up, Abe? Just chilling with Abe. How you doing, Abe? What's up, homie? Anyway. So Abraham. there's Abraham having a kickback with all his friends. <laughs> Abraham was chilling in Ur the Chaldees. No, but Abraham, right? I mean, he's it's dead. Let it go. <laughs> he's, he's in Ur of the Chaldees or the Chaldeans or whatever. And God, God calls out to him, right? Mm. Now you have to remember, Abraham, he, he comes from a pagan background. That's kind of the, the backdrop to, to where he was. He was over there in Mesopotamia. You know, they were worshiping pagan gods right. over there. And so 
God appears to him and and he calls him and he tells him to to leave his father's house, to leave everything that he knew, everything that was comfortable, everything that was common, and to just go. He had no idea where he was going, just go, you know? And he does it. And he does it. And and we see the significance of what ends up happening to him. He goes from Abram, high father, which is the meaning of the name, Say to high, high father. Olaham. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from high father to uh, Abraham in Genesis 17, which means father of a multitude. Wow. And you know how fitting that is. And, and I, I just want to read what God said to him. Actually, Genesis 12 is really where we're kind of Abraham comes on the scene. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. I'll make your name great. And here we are 3,000 years later talking about Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. And and through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, you know? And and you can see, right, like the reaction of the Jews of that day to Christ claiming to be the fulfillment of of the Abrahamic covenant in that sense, that he is that seed. Mm -hmm. And then when Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, yeah. again, you have to understand the magnitude of who Abraham was to the Jewish people. Yeah. But, but Ray, what was Jesus doing there when he said that? Well, he was making reference to Moses on Mount Sinai when God says, I am. And he was saying, I am manifest in the flesh. Before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're used to him. You know, we're used to that quote. We just say, oh, before Abraham was, I am. But imagine hearing that for the first time mm. and say, so, oh, what did, what did he say? Yeah. You know? You know, Mark, we read these accounts, like I think oftentimes of Job, we know the end of the story for Job, right? Poor Job had to live through it to discover what the Aren't end of the story Job was. we doing in a couple of days? Uh, we will do Job soon, yeah. But similarly, Abraham, we're reading a story, we know the end, but God calls him. And there's speculation, like, right, did like Abraham have knowledge of who the true and living God was at this point because of, you know, what was handed down from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve and so forth and men calling upon the name of the Lord. But whatever the case, he gets called by this God whom he had never seen, whose voice he had never heard, and he tells him, just go, I'll show you where to go. I mean, that that's a big deal. He didn't He didn't see the outcome, we do, but that was a big deal for him. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, let let me point out a couple things here that I absolutely love. In James 2.23, it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Mm. 
you know, we have many different friends. Some of us do. But to say that I'm a friend of God, it doesn't get any bigger than that, right? Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. When Judas met Jesus in the garden, he said, friend, why have you come? But I don't know of another place or another person who was known as a friend of God. And to the point that you were bringing up there, listen, Abraham was a very old man when he enters into the scene, Mm. right? He was 75 years old when God called him to leave his home. He was 86 years old when his first son Ishmael was born, and he was 99 when he was circumcised, and he was 100 when his son Isaac was born through his wife, (laughs) Sarah. That's encouraging. Amazing. It is so encouraging that God's timetable is not our timetable. Amen. We, it, it is so easy for us to get worked up when, when we begin to pray and we say, God, where are you? Why didn't you answer this prayer? You know, I've been praying for 30 minutes now. Hmm. But Abraham enters onto the scene as an elderly man and then begins to do a work. And God says, this is my friend. Wow. <laughs> it's talking about not despising the days of small things. Wow. Because God makes all things beautiful in his time, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Easy, you mentioned Abraham when God spoke to him, took a step of faith and, you know, what knowledge did he have of God? It makes me think of Saul of Tarsus when Jesus spoke to him from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. If you ever hear a voice from heaven like that, it's best to respond like Saul did, who is it, Lord? Because obviously it's the Lord. It's, you know, not everyone speaks from heaven and knocks you out. Was he on a horse or walking? We don't know, do we? Maybe oh. walking on a horse. But whatever the story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing, Mark. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. We're going to get to Moses. We'll be talking about Moses in, in these studies. But you think about Moses at being at the age that he was, right? 40 years old. And then it's another 40 years before before you know the children of Israel can go into the wilderness He's looking after sheep for 40 years yeah and you know and you think about how God used Moses the thing of and I know I'm getting ahead of myself so we're going to talk about Moses I'll probably repeat it but the thing about Moses that blew my mind which I think we can see in Abraham as well was his unconditional obedience to God and here's here's the kicker in that when he knew that God wasn't going to allow him to enter that promised land. You bear with the children of Israel in all their wickedness. I mean, the guy was interceding for them. God told him, I'll start a nation with you. And he pleads, no, no, Lord, don't do this, right? I mean, this is the God of the universe, right? The one that calls the shots. He's telling you, hey, I'll wipe these guys out. I'll start a new nation with you. He says to God, no, 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 Lord. I mean, what character, Mm -hmm. you know? But even after he knew he wasn't going to get to see the fruit of his patience and his endurance with these menacing children of Israel, God says, no, you're not going to go in. Because he got frustrated and, you know, and, and, you know, but the principle was bigger. He didn't howl him before them. But still, God says, no, you're not going to go in. But he still remained faithful. And there's a wonderful thought there that Moses could not enter the promised land. Moses cannot enter the gospel. D.L. Moody mm. said, Moses, the law of Moses can only chase you to Calvary no further. Wow. There's no condemnation. Yeah, John, right? The law was given through Moses. Grace yes. and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah, so Abraham... Right, he he strikes out uh, to to go to um, you know the promised land, not knowing where to Was go. It Haran? Trusted the Lord, yeah, from Haran or or the Chaldees, yeah. Oscar, you're gonna. I say. can't help but just think of yeah. I mean, you know, first he he goes faithfully, not knowing where he's going, 
And then he waits so long. He's an old man. And, you know, there's some trouble and strife. There's some sin that happens as he waits for this promised child, this seed. And he finally gets it. And then God calls him to, to offer him up as a sacrifice. And I think it's important to slow down and recognize the weightiness of the call of that sacrifice. Because mm. not only is it that Abraham waited this long, not only is it that, that this is his only son in old age, but at that time, for you to have a firstborn son, this is your prized possession. This is your legacy. Not just your legacy, but this is the way in which you will provide for your family when you're long gone. I mean, everything for a man then, everything was in your firstborn son. Yeah. And the fact that he calls him, that God calls him to offer up his son as a sacrifice, and he obeys. It's almost a challenge to a potential idolatry in Abraham's heart. Because Abraham could have been like, I waited this long. No, God, you promised me this. No, God, this is mine. This is my legacy. I've waited so long for this child. But God challenges his potential idol. Yeah. And Abraham obeys and he listens. He goes up the mountain with no other sacrifice but his son. Amen. Yeah, and I want to get into that and I want to explore that. But, you know, I think it's important to recognize what it was that God was promising Abraham. And Got Questions hit it real good. They summarize it this way. They said, God promises to Abraham, number one, the promise of a land of his own. Number two, the promise to be made into a great nation. Number three, the promise of blessing. These promises form the basis of what will later be called the Abrahamic covenant. And it was established in Genesis 15. And then in 17, we see God ratify it, you know, with the cutting of the animals and going between them and so forth. But I think it's important for us to, to highlight the significance of faith associated with Abraham. And Hebrews 11, 8 to 11 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Ray, I think a lot of times we eliminate faith from the equation of our walks with the Lord. But like Hebrew says, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I wouldn't think that faith would be associated with some of the things that Abraham did here. He dwelt in the land by faith. Hmm. You know, like what, what's the significance of that? It's one of my favorite scriptures. I got millions of them. Romans 4.20, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform. People don't realize that faith actually brings glory to God. And the, the analogy I like to use, use is if I have faith in my wife, that gives glory to her integrity. Explain. I trust my wife with all my heart. She'd never, ever be unfaithful. My faith in her explodes her integrity in the eyes of other people. If I say that, mm. wow, she must be wonderful. So when we have faith in God, we give glory to God. We bring glory to his name through our faith in his integrity. And if you have unbelief, you 
stagger at God's promises. Mm. You're, you're like uh, Doubting Castle. You step straight into Doubting Castle. So as Christians, and as, as a husband, I, I would never have unbelief or doubt when it comes to my, my wife's integrity because that would be an immediate insult to her integrity. Mm. I don't trust my wife. Uh-huh. You know, that would be, and, and that's exactly what scriptures say. That's so we don't good. have unbelief when it comes to God's uh, promises. Sorry. Well, it's so good that you're bringing up uh, an analogy or metaphor of marriage and, and Abraham's faith in God, because you sort of very quickly mentioned something that's really critical to understand Abraham's faith in God and in the covenant, and that is the passing through the carcass. And I know I've shared this in a previous podcast episode, but it's really important to recognize that Abraham didn't have blind faith. He had faith in substance, in something. And so to go back to that moment, because again, it, to understand the Abrahamic covenant is to understand the New Testament. There's this interesting story in Genesis 15 where God has Abraham cut up these carcasses and he lines them up and he creates an aisle between the two carcasses. And then Abraham falls in a deep sleep. Now pause. The reason why God does that is because back then you made covenants, not by, you didn't make promises or commitments or contracts by signing your name on a piece of paper, right? That's how we do it here in the United States. If I create a contract and I sign my name, I'm hold liable. That's like a silly way if you were in the Old Testament. Back then they would have you cut up the carcasses and line them up and you'd walk through the line of carcasses. And the reason why you would do that is because you would represent the carcasses would represent what would happen to you if you broke the covenant. You were basically saying, this will be my body. And we see that actually in Jeremiah 34. It says, in the men who transgressed my covenant, it did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me. I will make them like the calf and they cut in two and pass between its parts. The officials of Judah, the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. And I will give them into the hands of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. You see, their breaking of the covenant means you will be like those carcasses that you pass Mm. through. But here's the thing that's interesting about Abraham. What we know through history is that anytime a covenant is made, one of two things happen. Either the servant passes through the carcasses by themselves or the servant passes through with the master by themselves. But the one thing that never happened in all of history is the master would pass through the carcasses by themselves. Mm. Because for them to do that would be to say, we are gonna make a covenant and I will take on the suffering of the brokenness of this covenant. And that is exactly what happens in Genesis 15. But what's interesting is that Abraham, it says that he falls into a deep sleep. Mm -hmm. That phrase deep sleep is so important because it only happens twice in the entire Pentateuch. It happens the first time when Adam falls into a deep sleep and he comes into the covenant of marriage, Mm -hmm. husband and wife. And now Abraham falls into a deep sleep and enters into a marriage-like covenant with God. But what it means is, and and he's shocked because he wakes and he sees that this flame and this fire representing God. I mean, imagine a giant lightning bolt and he sees that lightning bolt 
take his place to pass through the carcasses. And it's ultimately God saying, we are going to make this covenant together and it will not be broken or I will pay the price. Mm. And of course, thousands of years later, that's exactly what happens in Jesus Christ. Right. It is him that is split in two. It is, it is his body that takes on the fullness of the wrath of God. And, and I think for Abraham to have experienced that, that is where his faith came in. It came in substance. It wasn't blind faith. It was yeah. remembering what God did through those carcasses. And same with us. Like our faith is not a blind faith. It's in a substance. It's in a body. It's in looking back at the cross and allowing that to illuminate our futures that we would live faithfully by the covenant that God promises to keep with us. Amen. So good. You know, Abraham, he takes this step of faith away from the family unit. And this is, this is one of the arguments that we use in abortion because it would be shameful to not have children. And Abraham has taken this step away from his family and the family unit is strong here in the Old Testament, especially. We say, well, the word abortion is not found inside the Bible, but listen, it, sh it shouldn't be. It doesn't need to be mm. because it was understood mm. that the family unit was everything. And if you had a child, the announcement of having a child was everything. Yeah. So here's God commanding Abraham to go forward away from perhaps hundreds, or if not thousands, we don't know, miles away from his family unit. And then in, we see in Genesis 22, where God commands Abraham to kill his son. Yeah. You're asking the most shameful thing imaginable. Mm. And the step of faith was, I don't know how you're going to do it. Maybe you're going to raise him up from the dead, Right. But where's he even getting that concept from? He wasn't told that God could even raise people from the dead, mm -hmm. but he did not waver concerning the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And I love that step of faith because he did not have anything to go off of. No example went before him. Nobody paved the way before him. There was no path that he was now walking where somebody else treaded. Yeah. He is that trailblazer. Amen. Go yeah. Portland. And, and I want to say this. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel loved that. He's a big... Trailblazer fan. But I, I do want to highlight something that's really important to understand about faith because it's it's not, and I like what Oscar said that. Not what I said? No, no definitely <laughs> not what you said. Definitely not what you, you said. You ruined it with the Go Portland. Yeah. But I love what, what, what Oscar highlighted in terms of it wasn't blind faith, right? In that sense. Yeah. But I think faith at its very heart and in its very essence manifests itself by continued faithfulness. And what do I mean by that? So it's possible for someone, right, to actually see something before them. And you would think, well, wh why is faith needed there? Okay, let's take, for example, Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Mm. He saw Christ. He put his fingers in, in, in the holes, right, in his hand, and put his hand in his side. And Jesus said, "Be believe, you know, don't be unbelieving, but be believing, right? And Thomas saw it. He dropped his knees, my Lord and my God. I mean, talk about a declaration of mm. truly grasping something. But what did Jesus say to him? You've seen and have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, but have believed, right? But then you have those, for example, at the tomb who knew Jesus rose from the dead, the soldiers at the tomb. Mm. I mean, you think of the significance that the, the, the ramifications associated with knowing for certain this one who made all these declarations actually rose from the dead. That means what he said was true. And they gave it away for, for a little bit of money. They were bought off, mm. right? But Abraham demonstrates 
the significance of his faith, because even when he was told, kill your son, (laughs) he remained faithful to the Lord and he persevered in that. And so it's not just that you saw, or it's not just that you, you gave assent at a given moment, I believe this, it's that you maintained faithfulness, right? Those who persevere to the end will be saved, and we know that they will persevere to the end because God saved them, right? But it's, it's the evidence that they were saved, they persevered to the end. And so that, that's faith, right? And it's outworking in terms of, of that. So, Ray, take us to Mount Moriah. Were you going to say something else? Yeah, I was just going to say, the wonderful thing about faith is that anyone can exercise it. I can't jump, I can't run, I can't sing, I can't dance. I've got no no real talent. Prove it. And yet, (laughs) you want to hear me sing? Um, But I can have faith in God. Anyone can have faith in God. And that faith can be as big as you want it to be. Mm. You can run in faith, you can jump, you can sing and dance in that trust in God. Because it's his integrity that brings the trust out. That's good. Yeah. And the fact that God can be pleased by our faith, by oh, our trust yeah, in him. Oh, yeah, think of the words of Jesus. This is the creator of the universe in human form. And it says, Jesus marveled hmm. because of the faith of the centurion. Yeah. He marveled. I, right? have to, I have to correct you on something. Try it. It's actually a, a common misunderstanding. In the scriptures, Thomas never put his fingers through Jesus hands and feet or side. And I think that's actually important in in the conversation that we're having. Jesus looks at Thomas, he shows him and he says, you know, feel, touch, look. And and Thomas, the scripture says, he saw and he believed. Mm. He didn't actually take that next step and stick his finger in I said, in unless I, he just said it, unless I had, did, yeah. but he didn't. And I think that's important because Phew, our I was faith... going to start a new church called the Thomas Finger and the Song. <laughs> well, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas, but in that moment, actually, we should call him Believing Thomas yeah. because he saw and he believed. He didn't. He didn't need to take the evidence to its furthest conclusion. He saw Jesus and he believed. And it's kind of the point that you made earlier: is you don't need to know everything that Sue is doing to trust that she's faithful to you. Thomas didn't need to stick his finger through the holes. He saw and he believed. A part of relational faith isn't blind, but it's relational. Any healthy relationship takes an element of, 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 of faith. And that's our faith in Christ when it comes to unanswered questions. We still need to believe in who he is and what we have seen. And what we have seen is a resurrected Christ. Yeah. Well, friends, make sure to check out my next book, Why We Know For Certain <laughs> Thomas Put His Hand <laughs> Into the Holes. Uh, that's good, Oscar. Yeah. But Ray, take us to Mount Moriah, would you? I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Mount Moriah, Abraham taking Isaac up oh, to Mount okay. Moriah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you say, uh, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> What's that? Um, take us to Mount Moriah. Yeah. I'm too busy. I've got things on this afternoon. <laughs> I'm not a tall guy, Daisy. <laughs> but Abraham takes his, his only begotten son up to... Uh, up there, well, not his only begotten, but really Doesn't in, in the significant refer, sense. Refer to him as only begotten. Yeah, in the Old like Testament, I was saying, yeah. in the significant sense that you know uh, we know obviously of Isaac, and and, and I want to finish on that Abraham's mistakes, but he takes his son up there and he's getting ready to sacrifice. I mean, I've seen some reenactments of this, and it's like ah, it just tears me up. You know, what does that say about? It? I mean, we we cited Hebrews before in that you know he yeah he believed that God was able to raise the dead, right? What was that all about, right? I think it, sh- it shows us that there's nothing that we should hold on to with an, aff- an affection that's above God. Mm-hmm. We should never set our affection on the gift 
rather than the giver. That's an ordinate affection. And Abraham had his priorities right. Mm. Isaac belonged to God. God created him. And if God wanted him, he was willing to, willing to give him. He offered him. He didn't kill him. God stopped him from killing him, which is wonderful. Yeah. Now, there's a, there was a rumor going around on the internet that you claimed yes, you, would, you would sacrifice one of your sons. And <laughs> That's just, what I was thinking of when I was, oh as I was saying that. And just to clear the air, if you had to sacrifice a son, which one would it be? <laughs> would it be your step? Would it be your son-in-law? It would be your son-in-law, would I would go for the son-in-law. Yeah. Arabs are good for yeah, sacrifice. Some atheists put out a meme, a picture of me, and a quote apparently from me saying I would gladly sacrifice any of my children. And the police came around home to see uh, which children I was sacrificing, but they noticed they were all married with kids. <laughs> and they laughed and left. But, they just uh, found yeah. chickens. Yeah, I just found chickens. I don't sacrifice <laughs> That'd them. That'd be a good book title, Ray. Laughed and left. Yes, I said <laughs> laughed and left. Yeah, look, we can't, we can't finish this up without quoting Genesis 15, 4. Um, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body, your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. I mean, wow. Imagine, imagine that. You know, Mark, isn't that one of those moments like where we found the Lord opening doors for us. I mean, what he's done through the ministry and the, the, the opportunities that we get. It's like that surreal moment, like what in the world am I doing here? It's like, Lord, are you talking to me? Yeah. My descendants more than all the stars of the heavens? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good conclusion, easy. Anyway, no, uh, but, but Abraham did make some mistakes, right? And you know, when, when you think lie? about- well, yeah, he yeah. did. Well, well, yeah. well, right. His half-sister. Yeah. yeah. But Half-truth. also you think about what happened with Hagar, mm. right? In that, I mean, I, I see it as them thinking, oh, God, this is how you're going to fulfill your promise. Let us help you out, yeah. right? I mean, it's from Abraham's body, but okay, it's Hagar. But God said it was going to be through Sarah, right? Mm. She was going to... But I think in, in the interim... They got antsy and thought, okay, well, this is yeah, absolutely, yeah, this is how we're gonna we're gonna do it. And uh, from from that, Ishmael came, and boy, <laughs> Ishmael caused a lot of trouble, you know, for the for the children of Israel over time through is his he the descendants. Descendant, Arabs descended from him. He's my father. <laughs> I love Ishmael. Uh, but you know, it's interesting that there are repercussions to the decisions we make, no matter how well intending, no matter how well intentioned we are. Right? I mean, you think of Saul, right? Oh, we're going to sacrifice. I know God told us to destroy all the animals and everything, but no, no, this is a sacrifice to the Lord. And, you know, this is where Samuel said to him, God, he wants obedience Mm -hmm. over sacrifice, you know? And so we have to be careful of that. That's a good lesson to learn from Abraham's life. Don't try to, don't try to finagle things to fulfill what God has promised he will. I think it's a good example of, of our propensity towards legalism, towards adding to God's covenant, because it was God who promised that he would bring him a son. And, and what did Abraham do? He tried to take it in his own hands. He tried, to, he tried to say, okay, God, to your point, let me help you fulfill this. And so often we do that with God's grace. We try to add our own laws. Oh, okay, let me, let me earn my salvation by doing this. Let me prove my salvation by doing this. Perhaps I can participate in the salvific work if I do these things. 
And again, going back to that covenant, the thing that, that fulfilled the promise was God and God alone. And that's where that deep sleep is really valuable because what it was, it was this passive covenant. God was saying, I am going to be the one that's going to do a good work. This has nothing to do with you. You are asleep in the matter. Mm. I think that's a, a really good example of us trusting in the finished work of Christ. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and then of course, as was referenced, Abraham, again, trying to protect himself rather than trusting the Lord on two occasions lied, Genesis 12 uh, with Pharaoh, uh, and then God plagued Pharaoh and his household, and then Genesis 20 with King Abimelech. And I love what God says to, I just love God's bluntness sometimes when God says to Abimelech, you're a dead man, <laughs> you know, for taking Sarah. And he, and he goes, and he's like, what, what'd you do to us? You know, I mean, yeah. why'd you bring this upon us? But again, first of all, I mean, come on, bro, your wife, you're going to do that with your wife? Like, you know, reminds me of Lot with his daughters. Like, yeah. what are you thinking, you know? But even those that were people of faith had weaknesses and they erred and we need to learn from that. I mean, the repercussions could have been massive in that regard if, if God didn't intervene and mm. turn that all around, you know? And Mark, I think that's a lesson for us that, we don't need to compromise what God has already revealed to try to fulfill God's will. Yeah, and that, that is an example of a step of faith, mm. right? Faith has been properly defined as believing that God is telling the truth. Yeah. So what we do with the word of God is we underline and we, we highlight it, and we should. But we need to step out and be doers, not just hearers of the word. Trust that God is going to complete the work which he started. He doesn't need our help. We don't need to stretch the story and give God the glory. Uh, we need to allow God to be God and we be the clay. Amen. Amen. Amen, friends. Well, there you have it. This was good. I'm enjoying these. Hmm. You know, th this is good stuff. Learning lessons from the lives of those that went before us, as we talked about in the beginning, which is why God has given us these stories in his word. Well, friends, make sure to check out How to Be Free from the Fear of Death and the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. And look, along with giving us a rating and, and leaving comments on the platform, email us at podcast at livingwaters.com and give us your thoughts, input on the program, encouraging words, and stuff like that. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.